Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. And that's Lola. The Label Podcast is a show about disability, illness and difference. We cover very personal and sometimes controversial topics. As such, listeners may hear language, including profanity or terminology, that they find offensive. Please be aware of this as you listen to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Labelled Podcast. We have Louise Steele with us today, who's going to be telling us about her life with autism. Hello, Louise. Hello, you all right? <laughs> yes, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode today. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, it's the first time I've spoken about my Asperger's, so yeah, it was exciting and nerve-wracking. So, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll be gentle with you, don't worry. Um, <laughs> could you tell us a little bit about uh, Asperger's and how it affects you personally, please, Louise? How it affects me. Um, I suppose the main thing is, is communication. Which is, <laughs> well, I've come on a podcast, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's my communication skills really, and um, not making much sense sometimes. And um, yeah, I think growing up, it was more like struggling to make friends and things like that. I noticed that um, at school, people would make friends quite easily, and I just wondered why I didn't seem to get it. I suppose. I mean, I remember being at secondary school and thinking, oh. Um, you know, everyone's making friends and how do they do that you know um, it didn't seem to come naturally um, to me uh, but luckily I had my twin sister um, who was gifted speaking to and um, yeah she's my saving grace really so I've had to quite stumble my way through life I suppose yeah just trying to um, survive it all I suppose and um, mm. yeah do what everyone else seems to um, take for granted I think it's a very common theme that we're finding already, Alice, in these episodes, that if you have a disability, your teenage years are even more difficult than, and I mean, being a teenager anyway is extremely difficult and hard to navigate, but you, you put a, an extra barrier on top of that and it makes it even, even tougher. Did you find that that was the case Louise and how did you you know had what coping strategies you said you mentioned your sister so did your sister sort of go to the same school as you did you talk about things with your sister oh um no not really I mean it was like this unspoken kind of thing really it was like I think there was a bit of shame in it to be honest because it's like oh well we're here at secondary school with this and um none of us knew how to make friends and everyone else seemed to be making friends it's like mm. Well, we don't talk about it, but it's like shame, quite shameful. So we didn't speak about it. We just so you didn't of, speak? No, we didn't speak about it. And I just found myself um, hiding in the toilet quite a lot at secondary oh. school, you know, because um, it got a bit overwhelming like, in the canteen. I always remember it, it getting overwhelming in the canteen and I just wanted to get away from all the, all the noise and all the people. So I just escaped into the toilet. <laughs> And yeah, I remember feeling yeah, a bit embarrassed and ashamed of it, so I just kept it to myself, really. And um, yeah, 
Yeah, the worst thing about, you know, I kept, I didn't want, I never wanted my mum to find out that we didn't have any friends at school and things like yeah. that, because I thought, oh, she'll be really, like, disappointed and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just embarrassing, because the worst thing at secondary school is to be a loner, you know. They call you mm. a lo- loner, like, that's the worst thing to not <laughs> be popular. Yeah. The interesting thing about it is, growing up with Gemma, I always thought that, I didn't know what this Asperger's was. So I just no. thought it was something to do with us being twins. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Like, mm. like we hadn't been properly socialised and things like that because we'd always had each other, so we grew up not knowing how to communicate. So, mm. yeah, I thought that that's what it was. So I kind of like, oh, horrible to say, but I resented it in a way, and I think she thought, oh, it's Louise's fault, or oh, it's, you know, that we can't seem to make friends because, yeah, mm. so it's a bit strange, really. What sort of led to because I know that you were diagnosed sort of quite late not late in life because that makes you sound old but you were only (laughs) diagnosed recently um sort of comparatively recently so you didn't know about your Asperger's when you were a teenager and when you were at uni and stuff so what sort of prompted getting your diagnosis well it was that um that job you know at Jotters the academic Mm. support worker you know you got me onto it, didn't you? Um, getting a job and um, just taking notes for disabled students at, at uni. And they gave us the training and um, started talking about this thing called Asperger's syndrome. And I just like froze and I just thought, oh my God, that, that's me, that's what it is. That's me. Really? Yeah, and I thought, hmm. so then I started like getting books out and things like that. And I just remember being on the bus and just like crying because it like, all made sense and, you know. Was that like a good cry or a a bad a bad cry? You know, was it almost like relief that you knew yeah. that there was a name for it mm-hmm. rather than oh my god, this you know? Well, yeah, I think it was yeah relief, but it was also yeah grieving that I wish I'd known sooner kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose. But no one knew what it was, and um, yeah, just. Um, yeah, it was a good cry, and I thought, oh, no, that means there's other people like me then, and I'm not mad mm. or anything, I've just got this, you know, these challenges, basically. Mm. Yeah. Do you find having that support network that's a bit wider than your sister comforting? Oh, yes, it brings a lot of security and comfort, really, because I think it's something that's very complicated that only you can really understand if you, you have it yourself, you know. Yeah, I I think from, you know, I didn't know anybody with my eyesight condition or anybody that I did know with my eyesight condition was 25, 30 years older than me for a really long time. Mm. And then thanks to a kind of couple of uh, random happenstance circumstances and going online and stuff like that, I found a couple of people who are, you know, late 20s, early 30s with the same eye condition as me and having that person that I can turn to and say this is this is something that I experience and isn't it crap Mm. who can yeah he's also going through it and absolutely understands exactly that is it's really comforting it because I think that the worst the biggest issue you know like Lucy was saying about us all having trouble in our teenage years Mm. is it's that isolation it's feeling like an outcast and feeling different but actually when you've got people who have not just you know the disabled community at large but I do think having generally uh, uh, somebody who's sort of specifically 
experiences the same difficulties as you obviously Mm. every person is affected slightly differently by their impairment um but someone who can actually relate that does make a huge difference I think to your confidence about just being able to go oh it's okay to have this it's not just me I mean when I started at work in my current job my line manager also has cerebral palsy Mm. and even though uh the way it affects us is ever so slightly different she has taught me so much about cerebral palsy and you know like when I mention things in conversation she's like oh no that's not just you that's the cerebral palsy thing that you're not special (laughs) that's just a cerebral palsy you know issue I wouldn't worry you know and this is what I do to help with that sort of thing so it is quite it's I mean I grew I went to a special school Mm. um so I was surrounded by people with all sorts of disabilities including cerebral palsy but we never really I can't really say that we sort of sat down and said, oh, you know, this has happened to me today. Has this happened to you? We never really did that. We were just teenagers and we just sort of did teenagery sorts of things. We never really sat down and had a had a frank conversation about, well, this is hurting today. You know, what do you do about this sort of pain? It was a kind of, we're at school, let's just do teenagery things. And it was it's only now, really, when I'm mm. a bit older, that I'm sort of surrounding myself with these people that have got this, you know, similar conditions or the same condition, but with just similar um, ways it affects them. That I'm going, oh yeah, that is just a that is a cerebral palsy thing. I never mm. knew that. It's quite amazing, isn't it? That when you get older, with age comes with like this new information, and you can kind of sort of handle it better. You're like, okay, all right, now I know. Now, like the startle reflex, so like loud noises. Mm. Um, every time we go to record a podcast, it makes a noise to let you know that mm. you're. In, and it, every time, it makes me jump um, because I don't know it's coming, but it still makes me jump. And it's a cerebral palsy thing that startle reflex never leaves you. And I didn't realize that until years after I would, I'd you know, te- I'd been going to like bonfire parties or you know, loud noises have been happening. And I think, oh, why am I jumping? It's making me look like such an idiot. Somebody saying hello to me in a room that's been quiet for 15 minutes will set me off jumping. And I'm like, why? Why? And everybody would laugh at me. And I would laugh at me because I think that's ridiculous. And then when I realised it was a starter reflex, it was almost like, oh, that's a cerebral palsy thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it's not nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. Um. So have you found, Louise, that there are things that, when you didn't realize it was autism and Asperger's that you were ashamed of. And then when you got the diagnosis, you thought, oh, well, that's, you know, I'm going to own it now rather than I don't know why I do the things I do. And yeah, I think so. Yeah. I can remember remember growing up and, um, you know, at school, I used to be really into my artwork and everything like that. And I didn't tend to socialize. I'd rather just get on with my artwork and, and everything like that. And just, hide away in the art rooms and just work on that at lunch times whereas everyone else would like socialising. And, mm. and even at home, me and Jenna would just be um, doing our, our artwork you know, in the dining room. And I remember that my mum said, the cook was so irritating. And she said well, that it called it sad that we weren't out, you know, drinking like, on the street corners like all the other youths and everything. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going out to being poor and she used to compare me to her friend's um, daughters and things like that. And, 
Yeah. yeah, it made me feel quite ashamed, but now I'm just like, yeah, that's what I like to do. That's my idea yeah. of a good time, you know. Some people have exactly. their idea of a good time, so partying, you know, socialising or whatever. That's my like my vacation is just getting stuck into some artwork or, some, or writing. So, yeah, just yeah, accepting my quirks, really, yeah. Yeah, and do you think that... Because, you know, one of the difficulties, as you said, with, with Asperger's and with autism is that kind of ability to communicate. Do you think, you know, you're drawn to stuff like artwork and writing? Um, and I know, you know, you make music. Is that, do you think that's partly because you feel more able to express yourself yeah. through that? And do you think that that's an Asperger's thing or do you think that's just a personality thing? Well, I don't know, really. It's quite... Um the lines are quite blurred really I suppose but I, I, mm. I think because I've always struggled to like, articulate myself um, but with writing I could say exactly how I wanted I found um, mm. and come across quite articulate and um, yeah because you can edit it and everything like that and control it and everything and I think I was always drawn to that that's why I um, did creative writing at university um, yeah because I've always found general chat quite difficult and things like that yeah, and the art is just a way to express myself, really. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just a different language, I suppose. Yeah. It is. It is a different... Mm. And it's, you know, from seeing your artwork and seeing your music videos and stuff, that it's... They are very... It's almost sort of theatrical, and it is really expressive in that visual um, sort of sense. You know, all your, your different outfits and things like that and your your artwork is is so sort of striking mm. I think it's it's really interesting that you find that is a, a it, you find yourself more able to kind of express yourself through that uh, and I think that really comes out in the work that you produce oh thank you yeah I think um yeah I think because I'm so quiet and feel like you know I don't know, overlooked maybe, maybe that's not the right word. Yeah. In general life and able to make friends and stuff, I think, yeah, that's a good outlet for me and a good, you know, to show people what I can do, that I'm not, you know, not, I don't want to say a failure, but I can do this, you know, but look at me, I can do this. And you can, yeah. I can make you listen to me through this kind of way. Yeah. And people are quite surprised because they're like, oh, no, she's, she's, she's a shy one, you know, that can't, <laughs> that doesn't, Speak. But Louis, don't, don't, don't you think as well by doing that you're defying your label in your own way so people have pigeonholed you and labeled you as this quiet person who you know maybe is quite shy and actually yeah. you are you are actively saying I'm not shy I just find things a little bit more tricky maybe you know if you give me time to to get to know me and and, and know le- you know learn about me you'll understand that I am not this shy yeah. person who doesn't like to talk to anybody. you just got to give, give you've got to have a bit of patience, haven't you? I think that's what the world is missing. Yeah. That, uh, particularly with people with disabilities, they're too quick to make dis- disabilities or health conditions, you're too quick to make decisions on people. And rather than spend the time and learning about pe- somebody, they make the snap decisions and the snap decisions unfortunately stick mm. Um, mm. to the detriment of our abilities. So somebody might look at me in my wheelchair and think, oh, she can't walk. Oh, it must take her ages to do things. When actually 
it it that isn't the case at all i can just work just as well and just as fast hmm. as the able-bodied person sat next to me it's just you need to get to have time to get to know me and i think it's amazing that you can you have that outlet to to sort of dismantle that label that society puts around your neck hmm. and you know does, is it something that you feel comfortable doing or do you get nervous as you're doing these music video shoots and things like that do you do you are you very conscious of the fact that that they are so completely different to what other people may perceive you to be mm, no because i get a kick out of it to be honest. Um, yeah yeah i can remember um you know going out with work colleagues and um, going up on the karaoke and no one <laughs> no one could know i could sing and everything um, and then yeah. people would be like and I, I liked you know no one knowing and then i just get on the mic and sing something a bit feisty and they'd be like oh my god i can't believe that was you and i got a bit of a kick out of it to be honest but then, Did I, you? then i go back into you should hear the lungs on her as well lucy <laughs> honestly she's <laughs> not she's not a sort of a gentle singer she's got strong set of pipes Power. on her Power yeah definitely yeah, yeah. you see i'm terrible i am terrible at singing if i start singing it will rain and uh, <laughs> please please stop please stop but mm. i do wish i could sing um so no i just think it's really interesting that you know and i think all power to you really for for, for using that outlet to 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 sort of say actually what you see isn't necessarily what you get it's the whole judging a book by its cover thing isn't it well yeah it's my new song i mean main line for that is i'm not going to be a little sideshow no more you know that's no. like like me saying you know i'm not this little mouse and girl that's going to be sidelined i want you to listen to what i've got to say i want to be a, a lion <laughs> kind of thing yes yeah that's what the lyrics are all about really <laughs> I love a lion. I am a Leo, so you know, oh, yeah. a lion. Yeah, a lion is my spirit animal. Yeah, it's never a bit of obsession with um, star signs, as Alex probably tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a few obsessions over the years. So yeah. So so, do you find that your Asperger's and your autism is almost a bit like a superpower so that that not many people know about? So do you use your maybe your attention to detail or whatever it is to, as a, a positive rather than a negative to help you achieve in life or is it something that you have to work with and go okay i'm going to find this difficult but there are ways that we can get around it mm, yeah i think it's a bit of a superpower i mean i don't know what people think about that they probably think it's big-headed or i don't know really i mean my sister's got a run in and i've got my um things that i do and it, it kind of saved me at secondary school a bit because even though you know i didn't have this voice and no one really i didn't have any friends or anything like that people still had respect for me because they'd go oh skills can do artwork or they're, they're brilliant at drawing or you know running or you know christ did the long jump as well so people yeah had respect for that so it was like mm, yeah that's um you know like a saving grace really like gives me some self-esteem i suppose well as if i didn't have these things that i did i probably have self-esteem at rock bottom to be honest I mean, with all of the struggles so yeah i think it's a blessing really i think it's a very common theme again that that disabled people you either go one or two ways with it you either 
mm. succumb to it and and sort of feel sorry for yourself and and you know think about all the things you can't do mm. or you go the other way and go actually I've got these difficulties but I'm gonna I'm gonna make it work to my advantage do you know what I mean so I always think mm. that my wheelchair is the one thing that people remember be it a good or a bad way to remember but it was always a so if I'm in a meeting with somebody I always leave and then a few weeks later they go oh yeah do you uh, um who was in that meeting oh it was so and so and Lucy you know the one in the wheelchair so they remember me I don't, I'm not like one of these people you forget easily <laughs> I do think I do think that I just want to sort of say that I think it is it is a bit more complex than that I think saying yeah. that it's the you've kind of succumbing to it or embracing it I think you know to say that you go one or the other mm. I I don't think that I think what's more accurate is to say that everybody kind of goes through phases because I definitely have days where just the fact that I've dropped something and I've been down on my knees looking for it for four five six minutes and I still can't find it and I just go I, I give up and I you know those are the days where I just want to I just want to hide in bed. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to see anybody because it's really hard sometimes. And it can be something really tiny mm, that yeah. just overwhelms you and makes you go, actually, you know what? Being disabled is really hard and I really hate it sometimes. Don't get me wrong, Alice. And like, I think... There are days where even the strongest person would get fed up of this 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 situation that we find ourselves in because I know I do. Yeah, I think it's about you know whether you've been able to and I don't like phrases like accept or come to terms with, but it is, it is that sort of thing, whether you've been able to go, okay, I might have a disability or an illness that means X, Y, and Z are hard, Mm -hmm. but I am also this person, or I can also do these things. And I think, you know, it can be quite a long journey for people to get to that place. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, The way I've saw it, I don't really have a choice. You just have to get on with it, haven't you? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, yeah, this is who I am, and I don't have a choice, and what can I do? <laughs> just um, carry on. And I tell you, I tell you what, for me, if somebody says, you know, if somebody writes me off or says you can't do that, I'm like, watch me, because I'm going to do it twice as twice as good as anybody else you know. So watch, don't even don't say you can't do that, because I'll just do it anyway. It's like fuel, you know what I mean? It's like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that with my singing as well. I, I don't know whether. Not a chip on my shoulder, but it's like it gives me that fire, you know what I mean, to show. Yeah, show exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the vocals come out, you know, quite loud. <laughs> I think it's amazing. I really do. I think it's amazing. Mm, thank you. <laughs> How did your sort of your family and your friends take it when you revealed that you'd got this diagnosis, you know, later on in your life? Because you said, you know, you said that for you, you sort of thought oh it suddenly made sense did were there people around you who said oh my god that explains it or were there people around you who were really surprised yeah I think um people, I think the people that wouldn't believe it I mean because on the outside I can you know if I try really hard I can come across as okay you know but it takes a lot of work and a lot of masking to come across yeah. come across in the mm. right way and um, so I think especially from, you know, like my mum, she'd be like, no, Louise is fine, she's, you know, gets on with it fine, and people, because they don't understand 
with the ins and outs of Asperger's, I think, yeah, it's disbelief, really, and because you can't see it as well. That's the thing. Um, yeah, it's invisible. It's the invisible disability, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, people don't appreciate the efforts that you have to go to. Yeah. Um. So, Louise, we were talking, you were talking there about... um you know, sort of making decisions when you go and shopping and things and, and having the hidden hidden disability and how hard harder that can make life for you. Um, what do you think, I don't know if you've ever heard of the uh, sunflower lanyard system that um, supermarkets have. Have you ever used that? What are your thoughts on the, on the sunflower lanyard system? Well, yeah, I have got one of those, but I tend not to use it because I think, I don't know, people would judge me for wearing it for some reason. Like, right. Because they'd look at me and think, oh, she's just got that from somewhere and she's just pretending that she's got a problem or, you know, got one of these. Things. So even if it made it easier for you, you wouldn't wear it? Um, because it's like drawing attention to yourself? Yeah, I think I, I think um, it would invite some, some looks I think I guess judge you yeah draw attention to mm. myself and people judging me and yeah I don't know I do like the idea of them I think they're, they're good for people but it's that thing isn't it of um, invisible disabilities versus visible and I think people can't get their head around yeah. invisible disabilities sometimes and the, the whole issue of invisible disabilities is very difficult for people to get their head around. I know that people now, when they're using sort of disabled toilets mm. and there may be an ambulatory, what what, whatever the word is, I think it's ambulatory, um, sort of wheelchair user. So they get up out of their wheelchair and walk into a disabled toilet and they're very nervous about using sort of toilets and facilities that are actually meant for disabled people. But I, I think from, from a person in a wheelchair's point of view there are you know my disability is very visible so in some respects I'm very lucky but there are times that I do sometimes wish that I could just like flick a switch mm. and turn it off yeah. do you know what I mean and make it invisible and make it go away for like 15 minutes or something yeah. um, I suppose it's a double-edged sword really in that respect yeah mm. but I can I can completely understand the other side of the coin and the fact that people with in, invisible disabilities may want to flick the flick the switch the other way and go actually can, can you see it now yeah you know I need I need this I can I can completely understand it and I think I think it's that just lies with the whole again society needs to be patient and a little bit kinder yeah, yeah. and just not to go oh yeah well they're using a disabled toilet when they don't need to or you know you know they're, they're struggling why are they struggling that's a bit weird um and just just to be a bit kinder really and, and understand that it's not just black and white is it life isn't black and white it's just so interesting um that you know p p people will talk about invisible disability I, you know I always class myself as very very lucky that nobody really questions it because I'm mm. in a wheelchair so it's like oh well of course you need to drive in space you know the parking space or of course you need that toilet um it's i just think i just think it's it's basic kindness that people are lacking and I, but i think that's that's been a thing uh, you know for a long time 
in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, when I put this first diagnosed, I thought, oh, what should I need? I feel like I need to get a tattoo or something, you know, like a, <laughs> the puzzle piece um, tattoo or yes, something. Yes, yeah. So, you know, yeah. as a mark to others. But then I thought, mm, that's a bit strange as well, I like branding myself. So it was a bit confused, really. Um, mm. Yeah, so I just ended up getting like a puzzle piece necklace that I just wear with pride. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know that symbol's quite controversial as well. Don't, um, is it? Yeah. How, why, why is it quite controversial? I think it's because um, some people say it's like a missing piece of a puzzle. Um, like, right. So there's a part missing, but I see it as a piece found. So it's, yeah, mm. depends which way you look at it, really. Yeah, which angle you're coming at it, it from. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, especially around things like imagery of disabled people. So the whole... The main image of a disabled person is a is a wheelchair on a blue background. Yeah. But then, not every not every disability is a wheelchair. That's the thing, and I think I don't know how society will will get over the issue of well, a, dis- a disability must mean a wheelchair or some sort of um, mobility aid or mobility animal or yeah. what to indicate. It's just, I just generally think people need to be a little bit more kind in, a little bit more patient and a little bit more understanding because if everybody had that yeah. we wouldn't have we wouldn't have sections of society that feel they don't fit in because if everybody was more understanding I think if if everybody was just a bit more open-minded and instead of looking exactly. at a person and assuming that they don't have any needs look at a person mm. and say well what do you have any needs? What are your needs? And taking it from there instead of going, well, we have to make changes because this person is different. You know, that's that's kind of what mm. it boils down to for me um, is it's all, you know, Louise has got access issues just in the same way that you and I have got access issues, but her uh, access issues are not necessarily about physically being able to get into a building or physically being able to, you know, use a piece of equipment for her. It's about being able to communicate with people and express her needs. Mm. Mm. The lighting and things like that, noise and all kinds mm. of things like that bother me and things like that. So, remember when we were in the cafe and I was like, they were talking about your, your eyesight and I was like, I couldn't get my head around what it's like to be you, um, I suppose. Mm. And I just wish sometimes that I could just see it for a second through your eyes and yeah and, you, yeah, and you could see it through mine, you know, that would be... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, a, a lot of misunderstanding and, and miseducation about disability issues is because they, they people can't get their head around what might be wrong with somebody. And I always think that if you had, like, five seconds of what it was like to be somebody else Mm. you would understand that person so much better yeah i used to do disability awareness training and uh one of the things that i would do is i would bring in wheelchairs and i'd bring in those um glasses that block out part of your vision and uh, headsets and things like that and i'd say okay everybody we're gonna spend a couple of minutes and you're gonna try and do a task with these on and i just get them to do some really basic like fill out a form or something and then I go all right it's we're going to take a break it's you know 15 minute fag break but you've got to keep your disability in place and the number of people who'd been who'd gone oh well I'm going to pick a wheelchair because I want to see what it's like to sit in a wheelchair and then go 
but I'm on the third floor and there's no lift and I want to go outside and have a cigarette. And you sort of go, tough. Mm, You're in a wheelchair. Can't get out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it is kind of having to say to people, we'll take, stop for a second and look at what you're doing and, and think about how a person who experiences the world differently might experience that. And I mean, we're all guilty of, Oh, not of struggling to see past our own experiences it's really hard sometimes to always be thinking especially when there's so many different diversities to needs and differences you know I think mm. people can be forgiven for fucking up occasionally but I think oh, if yeah. we were as a society kind of trained a little bit to just be a bit more aware of other people it would yeah. you know it would everything would run much more smoothly for people with disabilities and differences i often think it's a bit for me it feels sometimes like i'm talking to people with a cardboard box on my head and they can't really hear me do you know what i mean and i'm like i'm trying i'm trying to expect and it's that sort of look on their face of like you know i don't get it i don't get it i don't get it and you think if you just listen you know if you take a step back and listen and, and appreciate our lived experiences as disabled people or people who Ill, you know chronic illnesses you would understand a lot and there was a there is a big difference as to what you think listening is and actually really listening do you know what I mean I always think I think it must be particularly difficult for somebody you know Lucy and I are fortunate that we don't have any kind of neurodiversities so for us standing up um to excuse the phrase and going i need you to do this i can't do this is a lot easier for us than for somebody with something like asperger's or autism for whom that communication and that you know being able to explain yourself as well as being able to understand the communications of others is already you know more difficult oh yeah definitely i mean people just think that you're coming across as rude or selfish you get it's a lot of misunderstanding I mean I was at work the other day and I was on from a reporter and um, I was interviewing this man on the phone for an hour and a half and after quite a you know an amount of time of talking my brain starts to get tired and things like that and yeah. I start to zone out but I didn't feel like I could say to him uh, excuse me I'm getting tired I'm not you know from his point of view I was just being rude and not you know being engaged anymore so it was just mm. yeah well, if you need to take a break today, Louise, do just shout because we can absolutely do, you know, mm. another hour, another day, if that's what you need. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine at the minute. It's just, um, yeah, constant. If, taking, if you're taking too much information at a time, that's what it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So long as we're not bombarding you too much, that's all right. Yeah. We're being very <laughs> gentle with the question. We're trying to be. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said that you were... You mentioned that you know about being people thinking you're rude and people calling you selfish that's something you mentioned in your in your form is that that's something that's kind of happened to you before as people have have said to, that you're selfish because of the difficulties that you have with kind of communication and and expressing yourself and tell, tell us a little bit about sort of what what that's like and I mean I, I imagine that must be really might must be quite hurtful to hear well as you can imagine, it was really hurtful, um, to be honest, because I didn't understand at the time. I just thought I was a bad person, basically, because I couldn't handle 
people coming around to the house, I'd just go out of the way and hide away. So that's why I'd get called ignorant. Um, mm. You know, if I'd have had a, a big day at school or something, I just wanted to hide away in my bedroom and just relax. So, and then there's like the selfish aspect, which is comes across, yeah, comes across as selfish, but it's Asperger's because you can't really understand the needs of other people in that respect. So, yeah, so it's really hurtful and confusing growing up with photos and, yeah, demoralising to be misunderstood like that because I don't think I'm a bad person. So, yeah. So, within the family environment, once you got diagnosed with Asperger's, was that easier for people to understand of, oh, that's just Louise, oh, that's just how Gemma is, that kind of thing? Or is it still something that your family struggle with? Yeah, some things they grasped. I mean, they did do a lot of reading about Asperger's, but it is quite a complicated subject. And I think the hardest thing that people don't get their head around is that, you know, once you've met one person with Asperger's, you've met one person with Asperger's, that's the, the saying. And yeah. I think people can't get their head around that because even with me and Gemma, that's that's true. Um, mm. Some things affect her and some things don't affect me. She's better at some things. So I would say she's better at talking even because she's done a lot of interviews and things like that and she, she just goes on and on. Whereas I'm more thoughtful and, yeah, overthink, an overthinker, I think, so... Yeah, so I know, you know, it's it's quite an, an interesting situation that you're in, being an identical twin, um, but being diagnosed before your sister. How did you sort of bring that up with her? Did Was it a hard conversation to have? Well, we were actually diagnosed at the same time. Um, it was the, right. the first twins in Leicestershire to be diagnosed like that because we had the diagnosis done together. But, yeah, I obviously... Um, found out I think it was about three years before Gemma but I never mentioned it to her because she was she's doing really well with the running and everything and I thought mm, you know she might be insulted by this she might be offended you know if I tell mm. her oh I think that you we we've got this Asperger's syndrome so I didn't I, it was like the elephant in the room really we didn't didn't mention it for, for a long time but then um, she started struggling and um things like that and she was having a bad time with her mental health and I thought it was the, and the running was struggling as well and I thought it was a good time to think maybe I should introduce her to the idea so I just opened this, mm. the laptop and said what do you think about this and she was kind of she started crying and everything and yeah I think she was relieved but I think there was also an element of well why didn't you tell me sooner kind of thing yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So just because she didn't look like she was struggling didn't necessarily mean that she wasn't struggling. If she struggles with day-to-day -day things like, um, the, the, you know, household chores and bills and things like that and organising herself. But I think as long as her running's on track, she's okay. But her running was struggling, so she was kind of falling apart at the time. So mm. that's what I So whereas you use your music as a, a bit of a release, your sister is users running as her release yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah she gets her self-esteem from that and yeah so it's just it's like run, not running away from herself but in a, in a way but um yeah and i get all my angst and everything out through my singing so and people find that quite <laughs> strange that their interests are quite 
different, you know. Yeah, yeah, different. definitely. Because definitely. I, I just run a bath. That's all I do. <laughs> 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 I suspect that's kind of the experience of a lot of twins though isn't it that there is just an element of having to go no, just because we look the same doesn't mean we're the same person mm. yeah but we do share most genetics so I don't know people seem to <laughs> they seem to go oh what, why don't you try running I bet you could do it if she can do it I, you can do it but um yeah. I mean, I'm sure you could run physically. It's just that it doesn't appeal to you in the way no. that it appeals to Gemma. You wouldn't no. have the same enjoyment as your sister gets from running. No, I can't think of anything that worse, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And how's yeah. how's Gemma singing? Is it like a bag of cats? Uh, she, she's an enthusiastic singer. Yeah, she likes karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even like carrying nice it. Yeah. She's got more confidence than me. She'll get up and give it a go, whereas I'm a bit more shy. You take but... a bit of like persuading, but once you're up there, that's it. Can't get you down again. Mm, in a way, <laughs> I take I take it more seriously. But I think the art does cross over. We're both artistic, actually. Mm. Um, people do say that's the one comment that someone said. I remember my mum saying, "Oh, they're both up." Or that have always been artistic, and this man said we're more like autistic, and I didn't know what he meant at the time. So we obviously he realised that we are because I used to be he used to call me a hermit because I used to hide away in my room just writing all the time. So obviously picked up on that, and yeah, and I thought oh, that's perhaps not the most sensitive delivery, but no, I, I get really. the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was sort of a brick that really isn't it to yeah. be fair. Yeah, I mean, I was quite insulted because to me, autism was, I don't know, what I, I didn't know much about it. But now what I, you know, know about it, it's, I'm quite proud. Of. So would you, I mean, I'm getting the vibe that your autism is something that you are proud of. It's not something that you are ashamed of anymore. Is that is that the case? Yeah, there is an element of pride because, yeah, what I've achieved, you know, and have struggled, um, you know, and got by really and I never thought I'd have a house and I never thought you know, I'd go to university and get my degree because I dropped out once before and almost dropped out again and so yeah that was an achievement and mm. yeah yes I'm quite proud really and um, yeah I don't, I don't think it's a negative thing I think people it's quite misunderstood really so yeah I just think people should um, learn a bit more about it and yeah, think of it as a just a different way of being, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Did you feel at any point before you got your diagnosis when you were telling people, I think this is what it is, I think this is what I've got, did you did you come into contact with many people that were, no, you haven't, you, no, it's, it's all in your head kind of thing? Did you feel like, and did that, if you came across it, did it make you feel like you were going mad at some point? Like maybe I, you know, did you have that self-doubt of maybe, or maybe, I, maybe it's just, me maybe I've read that wrong maybe or well yeah you know. I'm someone that always doubts myself anyway but um, and, yeah. and then you think to yourself well maybe everyone feels like this because you can't see what other people are thinking um you know you're walking around thinking mm, I don't I don't feel the same as everyone else but how do you know that because you can't can't mm. um, does that make sense you can't um yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah, you doubt yourself, and then people are skeptical, and they say, oh, and some people were like, well, why do you want to be diagnosed with that? 
And I'm just like, well, because it, I think it's the truth, you know. Yeah. And I want clarity and everything. And, you know, and sometimes a diagnosis is not always a negative thing, is it? It can open so many more doors for you and you know health wise you're more understood if you have a diagnosis rather than i don't know what's wrong with me how am i meant how is anybody else meant to know what is wrong with me if i don't even know what's wrong with me whereas if you've got a i know we talk about labels and and getting rid of those labels but if you i think in that instance if you have this sort of this is what i have label on you it Mm. does make life in that first instance very much i wouldn't say easier but it's a bit more, the, the path is clearer oh, yeah. as to what your options are, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it's what everyone wants, isn't it, to be understood. So it yeah. helps with that understanding because it's something concrete people can look up and they can actually, mm. yeah. And I think telling people that I've got this diagnosis has actually helped, has helped my relationships with people. I mean, and even mm. with Alice, I mean, yeah, I think since I told her, you've been more understanding with me, and I feel more open because I feel like, oh, well, I can. Alice understands me a bit better now, and she, if I make a mistake, it doesn't matter because she knows a bit about Asperger's, and yeah. um, I don't feel like I have to pretend as much and be perfect. I think that's yeah. I think that's important that just be you know, just because we want people to understand our disabilities and our condition, it doesn't mean mm. to say we want the people that we are in contact with to be experts and know more about it than we do we just want you to have a basic level of understanding of oh yeah Mm. okay i get get it we don't need you we don't need you to be an expert we've got plenty of those yeah (laughs) you know we just just a basic level of understanding is better than none yeah just be aware and allow people to be themselves and to make mistakes i suppose yeah yeah that's all at the end of the day, we're all human. Do you know what I mean? Whether you've got a, a you know a barrier or a disability or a health condition, we're all human. At the end of the day, and it's you're not nobody is immune to, from anything. Well, no, mm. and everyone wants friends and everyone wants relationships. Exactly. You know, uh, but it's harder for some people. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I treasure the people that um, hold on, you know, the friends, few friends that I have. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, my, as my mum always says, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. And if you can class like five, you know, five or less people as really good friends, then you're doing all right in life. It's not about having armies of people. They say that having five really good friends is much more important than having, you know, 30 people who you think you know. Yeah. I have a I have a rule on Facebook that if my Facebook friends gets above a hundred people, then it's one in one out because nobody really knows more than a hundred people that they care about to to like hear about their news and stuff. And you know I think that's that's good for your for your mental health really because otherwise you're bombarded with news about you know Sandra from accounts again who actually you don't really. <laughs> you're not really that bothered about and you're just adding Sandra from accounts because you sit next to her every every like lunchtime yeah and so it's social protocol so uh, you know the people I'm friends with on Facebook are people that I really want to hear about and Mm. talk to rather Mm. than oh I'll just have that big social media following because it's cool yeah well for me it's like I can't understand how people can have that many real life connections because I couldn't manage no. that many. Um, 
I mean, my little sister, she's really sociable and I, I marvel at people that can just, you know, make friends with anybody um, yeah. on a bus and they just start talking to them. And I'm like, how do they do that? They were always, like, growing up, they were like magicians to me. Like, but also, I, I've not got Asperger's or autism and mm-hmm. I think that that in itself is exhausting. Being yeah. able to make friends with everybody is exhausting. Yeah, well, that's that's what my little sister is like, and I think <laughs> I always envied her because she. I can remember being, you know, nine years old, and she just made friends with the girl next door, just talking yeah. to her over the fence, and I just thought, oh wow, how does she do that? You know, I wish I could do that because this girl was closer to my age, and Carly was only five or something. I just thought, wow. Wow. And sometimes I think, would I? Would I swap, you know, my artistic side to be more sociable or, you know, what is it like to be like that? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, strange one. I I often think that if somebody said I could wave a magic wand and make you able-bodied, mm. would I want it? Because I'd need to know if it was a time-limited thing. So if it was like a, like a day or a week, mm. then I wouldn't take it because why would I purposely make myself miserable? Mm. But... Um, that's not to say that I, you know, it's not that I, I don't like being disabled or there aren't good qualities of being different because there are. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, it's miserable because it's not, it's not at all. But there are times where I think, oh, just to have it easier, just to, you know, make mm. things a bit quicker or that I didn't have to rely on so many people. That is the one thing that I do sometimes think. I wish things were slight like like earlier before we started recording turning the um plug socket on my charger for my laptop mm. normally I can do it no problem like flick it on just no problem today it took forever and I'm like oh this is embarrassing a this is embarrassing and b I know I can do this quicker but I knew like if I could if I was able-bodied and was able to get up get down on the floor flick a switch it'd be like over and you know it's silly little things like jumping in and out of the shower how quickly I could do things like getting in and out of the shower and some days you think I can't be you know I can't be bothered today it's taking me forever Mm. and that can lead to frustration but I don't know whether I would want if if that magic wand came with conditions of at the stroke of midnight that's it you're back in your wheelchair because I think that would just make you know for me I was born with my disability so I've never known any different Mm. it's like ignorance bless until they take your bliss away isn't it yes yeah, um, yeah yeah i mean i've always sort of thought if somebody came along to me and said we'll we'll take your blindness away from you just and you'll you'll be able to see forever i think yeah. i mean i take it but that's only because i'm in a place where i can say well actually you know what my experience with sight loss has made me the person I am mm. and I'm quite happy with the person I am and I've done quite a lot of work to get there but if I'd never had blindness I'd be a very different person yeah and so you know obviously if people made my life easier as in I could just you know I had to pick up a prescription earlier and the woman just like went to hand me the slip side to sign and I was like, I can't see where she's handing it to me. And with all the perspex at the minute, it's really hard. And then I had to get the thing yeah. out so that I could read where I needed to sign. And then I had to find a pair. And and it takes me, you know, what should take some, what would take a person, a fully sighted person, about eight seconds, takes me two minutes. 
And if I could go through the rest of my life without having to worry about stupid shit like that, I would absolutely and not have to get migraines if I've done too much staring at a computer all day. 100% I'd take that. But mm-hmm. if you said to me, you know, we'll take it away from the day you were born, you'll never, so you won't be the person you are now. I think, I don't know. I don't know whether it would be a different story because I do, you know, I am proud of who I am. And there is a big part of my disability that's made me the sort of the kind of friend that I am and the kind of partner that I am and to get involved in the sort of work that I do, you know, and I am proud of all of those things. Yeah. Did you think it's like toughened you up and made you more resilient? Because I always thought of you in that way. Uh, I think that particularly because of the nature of my disability, like yours, is not necessarily something you can see straight away. You do have to get used to having to kind of fight a bit to get the support you need. So I think I have, you know, had to learn to kind of be like, no, you have to listen to me. This is what I need. This is because especially with, you know, my sight loss issue if I don't get the right support I'm sometimes you know I'm kind of physically I could be in danger Mm. you know if I if I if I'm in a I can remember uh it's a pretty horrible story a Halloween where I was out when I was 14 15 and I was out with friends and um there was three of us and there were a couple of a group of guys who sort of backed us into a corner and were being creepy they were teenage kids same as we were but you know they were making comments about us as I can't remember specifically but us being girls and my friends my two friends sort of went to walk off but it was it was Halloween it was the night it was nighttime I couldn't see and so I Mm. I found myself literally what I can remember is being surrounded by these guys and a couple of them attempting to pull my skirt down. And I had to call my friends back to mm-hmm. rescue me because I I couldn't see to get away myself. That is absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I don't blame my friends for the situation because it was a pretty scary situation, mm-hmm. you know. But and and I'm lucky that they did come back. It's, it's quite funny looking back actually because uh, they were identical twins, mm. um, and uh, yeah, they had to come. One of them came and just grabbed my grabbed me by the hand and just pulled me away. But you know, it was it could have been a situation where I could have had a. It would have been a very different outcome mm. if Absolutely. I hadn't been able to go you can't leave me here, I can't see. Yeah. Yeah, it puts you in a... I don't know if I've ever told that story before. Yeah, it was. Alice, Alice, are you all right, Alice? Yes, I'm fine. (laughs) I'll be all right. I'll uh, I'll have a a coffee and a biscuit afterwards. I'll be fine. (laughs) Maybe maybe make my Um, coffee Irish. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um... (laughs) I know, I mean, I know that having my disability certainly made me tougher because there's been experiences in my life where people have underestimated me and made my life miserable miserable whilst Mm. I've been trying to prove them wrong. So I'm not only am I working like 10 times harder than everybody else I know, 
but I'm also having to put up with I can remember so I'm a former media student and um I our last year of the college course with the university course we were on um we had to make a feature film and because I was in a wheelchair and obviously it can't go everywhere where an able-bodied person so like muddy grass muddy fields sand beaches those kind of things anything with a different terrain you can forget it um we were filming in a field in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night and i said there's no way i can come and be on this shoot with the rest of the crew because i can't i can't physically get in the field and that was the catalyst for what led to be a good 12 months of really severe bullying so not only was i bullied by my former classmates but the lecturer as well so before all of this happened the lecture i was put down to be the director of this uh, film and i was really excited looking forward to it thinking you know this is my chance to prove what a good director i can be mm. um and unbeknownst to me and two other friends, the lecturer in question took the rest of my classmates to McDonald's and persuaded them one by one that I wasn't the right candidate to be a director because I was in a wheelchair and I wouldn't understand what it took. So I was then kicked off as director and somebody else was put in place. Um, and then the whole thing of me not being able to be on shoots in the middle of a field in the middle of the night, that caused ructions with the classmates even more because I was seen as getting special treatment. Like, why should Lucy go home at four o'clock every evening when the rest of us are all working hard? Um, I got told by one classmate in particular, I don't know why you're at university because all you're going to have to do is sit at home and on your benefits all day which made me cry and I never cry um, <laughs> about that sort of thing anyway. Um, and yeah, it was just hor horrendous, horrific time. But all the time I knew where I wanted to be in the end and I knew what I wanted to achieve. So I could have given in and I could have dropped out of university, but I didn't. I, I sat through it. I got things thrown at my head things thrown at my body, just general name calling. And when I eventually did get a job working for the BBC, um, after, straight after university, um, I went to the premiere of our film and one of the blokes got out of the car and I never forget what he said to me. He looked, he turned, looked at me, smirked and said, oh, so you've not done us all a favour and jumped off a cliff then. Ooh. Ooh. So... I mean, I don't talk about it very often um, because it's just a traumatic thing to talk about. Mm. But that certainly, you know, instance, bullying is never acceptable. It's never right. It's horrible for everybody who has to come into contact with it. But it certainly made me tougher. And it's made me realise that I cannot, you know, just because it kind of gives it, it's kind of giving me like a thicker skin. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong, people can still say things and I get very hurt and upset, but, and that, you know, that university incident was just one of many incidents where people have said things off the, you know, off the court, or maybe not even off the court, they've just been malicious with it. Um, and it does hurt and it does, but I have got a quite 
I can put up with a lot before I think, no, that's enough now. Do you know what I mean? I think you can sort of, there's an element sometimes of being able to use your disability as a bit of a weapon mm-hmm. and being able to turn around to people and going, you know, you you can say you don't like me because I'm loud or because I'm rude or whatever it is. But if you turn around and say you don't like me because of my disability, that is that that makes you the shittiest person mm-hmm. you know if people turn around and say well why do you need this why do you get this you turn around and go i tell you what i'll fucking swap you yeah you live my life for a week and see if you're still jealous of the extra support that i can get because it just highlights how little they are in yeah. comparison mm-hmm. to you yeah. it, it is it is this kind of thing, isn't it? There were people go, oh, you get all this, you know, all this, you get money from the government, you get this, that, and the other. Like they're and... jealous. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like oh, aren't you special? And I'm thinking, yeah, if we could get rid of it and not have to have it, mm. we would do it immediately. Um, it's a necessity, not a luxury. And, and you know, and then a few years later, I was actually back at college again. And uh, I was signing up to do a sign language course at the college. And I was, as I was signing in to do, you know, like signing the forms to, to enrol myself on this course, um, the parent of the bully, the, the main ringleader of the bullies at university, stood behind me and went, excuse me, are you Lucy Wood? Uh, you might know my son and then told me the, the son's name. And he said, he said, oh, I must, I must tell certain person who mm. how yeah i'm so, so close so close um give, give him a fake name you can call him jonathan uh, jonathan yeah i must tell jonathan his name wasn't jonathan well picked there alice um i must tell jonathan how you're getting on and i turned it i just turned around and i don't know what came over me but i went please don't your son made my life a misery for a whole university year yeah. i do not want him knowing what i'm doing where i am how successful i've been and his parents were absolutely horrible i told them everything about what he said what he'd, you know what he'd done um and they were horrified they were absolutely and i just thought well there I, that i've been waiting a long time for that karma <laughs> to manifest yeah. itself um and i felt so good after the, the woman behind the reception desk went that's been waiting a long time to come out of that bottle, hasn't it? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I was just like a tirade of, and he did this, and he did this, and when he did this, he did this. And and they were like, they apologised on his behalf. I said, I don't need an apology from you. I don't really need an apology from him because it's in the past. You can't, you can't take back what he said and how it hurt me. But I want you to know that I don't want him to know anything about mm. me. Is there anything, Louise, that you, you know, if you could say anything to those people that you were at school with who who called you a loner, what would you say to them now, do you think? I mean, did the people at school know that you had such a good singing voice and such a talent for music and singing and all that kind of thing? Uh, or was that something you discovered later in life? Yeah, it was later in life. So I'd probably say, yeah, look at me now, look what I can do. Um, yeah, you wouldn't um, know that it was me, would you? You know, that child. Yeah, girl. exactly. Yeah, listen to me now. And in fact, I've had people 
you know, this girl that was really popular and they seem to want to, to befriend me now on Facebook and stuff like that. And they go, wow, look, isn't Louise really? doing well and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like they want to know me now and they want to know, yeah. they want to know my sister because, um, you know, and they didn't, no one even knew our names really. They used to call us Steel or Thingy, you know, because we were twins. And um, mm. yeah, now they're adding us on Facebook and um, everyone seems to. I always think it's amazing that when you are, you know, you when you've been through your down times and then eventually you find success again, they all sorts of people come climbing out of the woodwork. But it's amazing when somebody when you are doing something and people are wanting to be part of that success, you just think to yourself, nope, nope, because yeah. you weren't there. You weren't there supporting me when I was working towards this goal. Mm-hmm. So you're going to share the spotlight with me now i'm yeah. afraid yeah i mean you can talk maybe sound like a cow bag it probably does no, not it? really be proud of yourself i mean no i mean that is there i think that comes back to a lot of what louise was saying yeah. at the beginning about being proud of who you are and what you've done and you know for louise it's about being proud that she's got asperger's because it gives her a different outlook on life and you know, those are the best artists, the people who see the world differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no point in imitating what's already been done. I mean, my stuff may not be mainstream, but it's it's different. So, yeah. And I've got, yeah, it's offbeat. No, I think it's absolutely brilliant, Louise. Thank um, you. you know, the way, the way that you, the way that you use your, your talents to sort of show the, the other sides to, to, you know, your life and, and um, what you know just just not not being like what people expect i love it when people aren't things that you expect and you, you think, oh that's quite surprising and and it's like oh that's that's really interesting and it's 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 really fascinating to sort of to learn all about you know your story really oh, yeah because i'm a wallflower really and i've got all these sequins and glitter and i'm just you know giving it the sass yes. in those music videos. I love glitter. I love anything sparkly. Yeah. Um, anything with feathers. Any basically I'm I'm basically like Shirley Bassey. Oh, I can see it. <laughs> I can see it, yeah. Uh, actually, can I change that? I'm basically like Dolly Parton is what I am. Oh Dolly Parton. I love great. That woman. I love Legend. that woman. She's absolutely when she did Glastonbury I did not realise that you could put rhinestones on a saxophone but she did mm. amazing yeah i bet you could put rhinestones on a wheelchair oh oh my god <laughs> alice <laughs> let's do it next the next time i go for a wheelchair assessment appointment you're coming with me <laughs> <laughs> we'll say that we need it because you know we we co-hosting i need really sparkly wheelchair so that i can see it exactly so i glisten in the sunlight yeah <laughs> I will have some like fire cannon, glitter fire cannons and feathers. Yes. I'm basically going to look like Big Bird on acid. Probably. <laughs> so, Louise, why don't you tell us about where we can find you online? So, you can find all my music videos at um, on YouTube at Louise Still Music. Um, I'm Louise Still Music on Instagram. I use that quite a lot. And Louise underscore steel on Twitter and then Facebook as well. So, yeah, follow me on there and um, check out the new album. Hot, um, sorry, check. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna like download yeah, that. Yeah, Hearthstone was the last one. Sideshow is the the glitzy <laughs> one that you want when you're um, rocking about in your wheelchair. <laughs> you knew um, fabulous wheels. <laughs> when I'm pretending yeah, to be yeah. Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Louise. That's all right. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> See you later. Thanks. Yeah, it's been great to have you on. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Label Podcast. If you like the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You can follow us on social media at Labeled Podcast. Uh, thanks go to our editor, Adam Hall. Our music composer, Maisie Crunden. And our graphic designer, Sarah Coley. We'll, we'll see, see you next time. time. Down.